Welcome to Destiny Spirit Church. This week's message is by our senior pastor, Donna Astern. For several weeks now, we have been looking at spiritual roots of disease, and we've been discovering the spiritual roots of our conditions, and we have experienced a lot of deliverance over the last number of weeks. I've met individually with some of you, and then we have had a lot of mass deliverance taking place. And I just want to remind you that your, your healing, your deliverance is all progressive. You know, it's like layers of an onion. We peel away the layers. And so, you know, what may really relate to you you know, one time, maybe it does, you don't really connect, you know, with the next, with the next time. There are some of these, these um, topics that we're going over are going to have more of an impact upon you than some of the other ones will have. And those of you that I've met individually with you, and we've gone over some of the specific roots of, of the condition, understand that you're going to walk out your healing. And just because, you know, we, we prayed one time, if you did not get an instant manifestation of your healing, then we want to continue to dig on those same roots. For example, when we were covering the spirits of envy and jealousy last week, and so it's real easy to say, well, okay, I got delivered. But if your condition is the same, if the symptoms haven't left yet, then we want to dig in, is there another place that envy and jealousy is getting in? Or is it something you just got to walk out and resist on a daily basis until that thing has no hold on you? Because you know what? We've learned patterns of behavior. And you can get healed. I mean, you can get delivered of things. But if we haven't renewed the mind, if we haven't changed what's going on inside in your belief system, you're going to respond the same old ways. And so we're about transformation. Gain us until there is nothing within us that is not like Jesus. Amen. And that also includes our physical body. Because Jesus wasn't made sick till he was on the cross. And I'm like, I don't want any of us sick either. Amen. Because he paid for our healing and our deliverance. Praise God. So it's our responsibility to recognize the sin that dwells within. As I'm bringing up these topics, it's up to us to have the courage to ask ourselves the tough questions. To have the courage to look, take a hard look, an honest look about what's been going on inside of us, you know? You know, that's the place where healing and freedom comes. It's when we quit denying, I don't have this issue, or that's not really whatever, or denying, you know, when they get into one-on-one with you and look at your roots. And what's happened is, once or twice, I talk to somebody, only once or twice, and they go, well, I don't have that. If you've got the fruit, you've got the root. So the hard thing is like, okay, Rather than out of embarrassment or shame or pride or whatever, rather than saying, I don't have that problem, why don't we dig a little deeper and say, where is it that I'm just not seeing it? It's a little deeper down, you know. You know, how many of you know that that pride is a condition that everybody around you knows you've got before you know you have it? You know, it's kind of like bad breath. You don't know you've got it, but boy, everybody else knows you've got it, right? And so what does it take? Sometimes it takes a little, you know, breathe in your hand or something to say, oh, I need a breath mint, you know. Sometimes it takes, let's look a little bit harder, a little bit deeper about what's going on inside and ask the Lord, God, would you tell me the truth? Would you show me what it is that I might not be able to see? You know, I was, it's so often that where we want to lay the blame is out there. 
blame my boss, blame my spouse, blame my, you know, my kids, blame the economy, blame my mother, blame God, instead of looking inside what is going on inside. You know, one of the things that's really important for us to understand, and we need a revelation of this, God does not lie. He absolutely does not lie. And when, when he has spoken in his word, when he has made a promise, it's true. He can't lie. So if you're not experiencing the promise, where's the fault? Well, let's blame the devil. That's always good. Let's blame the devil. Well, let's, why don't we say, how come the devil has access? What's going on? And not from a condemning point of view. But, you know, it's so much, it's, it's silly for us to get mad and blame God. I know it's very humid, but he's not where the problem is. And that's why I'm saying there are so many of these things, folks, we inherited down our family line. There are things that we, we got from our parents and our ancestors, our great-grandparents, all these people. They, you know, left us some baggage. So we're going to take responsibility. We're going to recognize that, yes, I do have a problem with rage. Yes, I do have a problem with envy. Yes, I have a problem with fear or whatever it may be. And we're going to dig and look for the roots. We're going to take responsibility, not making excuses, but also understanding everybody else you know is dealing with something too. Anybody here not dealing with something? See, we cast out lying spirits. See? <laughs> See, everybody's dealing with something. Come on, everybody's dealing with something. So, you know, that's a safe place to be. You know, that's why AA meetings and stuff are so successful. Because everybody in the room admits they all have the same problem. And so there's no room for the shame. There's no room for the finger pointing because everybody says so, you know. So it doesn't matter if your problem is infected gums or hemorrhoids or something really, really serious. It doesn't matter. Everybody's got something that they're dealing with in their lives, some place where we're wanting to shut the door to the enemy and want to become more like Jesus. Amen. And even if you're feeling pretty healthy, don't seem to have any health problems right now, that's great. That's wonderful. We want you to continue to go from glory to glory. Amen? Go from grace to grace. Get better and better. So as we recognize sin that dwells within, we're repenting from it, we're renouncing it, and we're removing it from our lives. Getting rid of this stuff. We've been breaking agreement with sin and with enemy spirits. We've broken agreement with unforgiveness, with broken heart, with bitterness, with accusation, with unloving spirits, fear, and envy and jealousy. We've been taking out lots of trash, folks. It's been really good. And I'm so thrilled that the Lord in His kindness has been granting us relief, granting us peace. We're starting to feel better. We're starting to look better. Hallelujah. Praise God. So tonight I want to talk about spirits of rejection. Spirits of rejection. Rejection spirits are a class of evil entity that have an assignment to steal the truth from you. Rejection spirits have an assignment. They have an assignment from the kingdom of darkness to steal the truth of God's word from you and from me. Do you know the Word of God tells us that we are absolutely loved, accepted, adopted by God, that we've been forgiven? Do you know, the Bible teaches that we have been adopted into the family of God. You know, an adopted child is one that is especially sought out. Isn't that right? 
especially sought out. And the Bible says that you and I have been adopted. We have been especially sought out because God wanted us so much. He was not willing to do without us and his family. Isn't that great? I'm so precious. I'm so adorable. God just had to have me. See, I mean, we can laugh at that, but you know what? That's pretty healthy self-image. And that's what I want to hear that sort of thing from you. You know, I'm so wonderful because God loves me and he saw something tremendous in me and he just had to have me in his family. Wasn't willing to do with that. He was not willing to do without me. Well, the word of God tells us that we're loved. It tells us we're adopted and accepted. And all of us have within us a real need for love and acceptance. Isn't that true? Every last one of us. As a matter of fact, I saw something on television the other day that, that really was, was quite revealing. There was a pitch. They had this woman who had her child, a little baby, was in the high chair. And so uh, while she was there, she, this mother was very affectionate and close, and she was engaging her child. And she was playing with the baby. And so the baby was smiling and laughing and clapping and all this kind of stuff. And they talked about how the, the baby would reflect the mother's attitude. And we all know that. You have a little toddler, they fall down and look to you to see if they should cry. They do. They look to you to tell them, am I hurt? And you go, oh, you're fine, ha <laughs> ha, and they're fine, right? Well, the baby was reflecting the mother. Well, they did an experiment. And so they had the mom turn completely around. And when she turned back to face her child, she had a complete emotionless face, just blank face. And so she looked there at the baby with no expression, and the baby started being cute and, and everything and trying to, you know, get mom to interact. Well, she wouldn't interact. She just remained very flat, very calm. And the more the child tried harder, tried to coo and smile and, and make some noise and something, and mom would not react. Do you know what? That baby started to get stressed. The baby started to get stressed and within a couple of seconds was crying. And all she had done was not interact with him. I, I felt sorry for the baby. I really did. I was like, oh, pick up that baby and come, you know. But you know, the thing is, it just shows that even as babies, you're looking for love and acceptance. And we're looking for that from people in our lives, from, from God. We are looking for love and acceptance. Well, do you know, a spirit of rejection wants to make sure you don't get loved and accepted. Even though the Bible tells us that we are, a spirit of rejection wants to communicate to you that you're not really. And it comes, it does so in a way to bring hurt and to bring pain into your life. The problem is that if we agree with spirits of rejection, it will be psychologically and physically devastating to us. God has designed us to be loved, accepted, to know that we're secure in His love. But if we have bought into the lies of spirit of rejection, we're going to find ourselves being handicapped from walking the fullness of what God has for us. So I have a number of scriptures here that I'm going to go through um, one at a time and Rather than turn to them, if you want to, you can just jot down the references for your own study and meditation later. Because first of all, before I start talking about the spirits of rejection and how they operate 
and what goes on, I want us to first of all look at what God's Word says. To look what He says about His love and what He says about who we are to Him. Because I think that's a good place to start, you know. Let's just, let's just find out what the Bible says first. You know, and the, you know, there's a scripture that says that we need to know and believe the love that God has for us. And so lots of people can intellectually know, but we want to move beyond intellectually knowing until it's down here in the heart. Down here in my inner being, I know that I know that God loves me. Psalm 139. Verses 13 to 14. For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. Hey, God has fearfully and wonderfully made us. God was right there at the point of your conception. It doesn't matter what your mom and dad were doing, whether they loved each other or not, whether they knew each other or not. There's no such thing as an accident, not when it comes to birth, because the Bible says God was right there at that moment of conception, and he began to knit our bones together. He was right intimately involved in that place of conception. Aren't you glad there's no such thing as an accident? Hallelujah. God formed us. He planned for us to be here. Your natural parents may not have planned for you to be here, but God did. And so that's where our opinion comes from what he says about us. Amen. Psalm 139, verse 17. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. God's thinking about you all the time. He's thinking about you all the time. He can never forget about you. Hallelujah. The thoughts he has towards us are precious. They are vast. So many. Isaiah 54, verse 4. Fear not, for you will not be put to shame. And do not feel humiliated, for you will not be disgraced. God's not putting us to shame. God's the one telling us not to be afraid. Hallelujah. We're not going to have to worry about being ashamed because he is there for us. Hallelujah. We will not be disgraced. Isaiah 54 verse 8. With everlasting loving kindness, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord your Redeemer. Aren't you glad that God's not looking for things to blame you for? He's not looking for things to criticize you for. But instead, He's decided to show us not just temporary kindness, but everlasting loving kindness. You know, God wants to be kind to us. He is kind to us. We're going to believe the Word of God, that He is with everlasting kindness, that He is choosing to be compassionate on us. You know, some of y'all heard me tell that I went through a, a couple of rough spots and, and um, in dealing with some situations, and I had gone to my oversight a couple, on a couple of occasions and just kind of unloaded. Okay, here's the situation. This is what I said. This is what I did. Here it goes. And then I was waiting. I was waiting to get chewed out. I was waiting to be rebuked. And do you know, not one time did that ever happen. But instead, my oversight was compassionate towards me, didn't criticize me, didn't blame me, just, just was compassionate and supportive and wanted to help me solve my problem. 
you know? And I had to look at what is wrong inside of me that had an expectation that expects to get chewed out. I mean, how many of you ever got called to the principal's office? I mean, you kind of figured that was not a good thing, right? <laughs> you know, or somebody says, you and I need to talk. I mean, you kind of think, oh, dear, that's just not going to be good. But, you know, there are some, I had this happen, too. I'd call somebody. I'd say, hey, um, I need to have, I need to speak with you. Can, could you come over at 2 o'clock tomorrow? And then they get all nervous. And the stomach gets upset. What does she want to see me for? And then find out, I mean, it was a good thing. But it's like, if I called you up and said that to you, would you get nervous? You know, if you would, what's going on inside? Maybe there's a spirit of rejection that's been ministering to you that says you're about to get rejected. You're about to get hurt. Something unpleasant's about to happen. You know, we're going to believe what the Word of God says, that God has chosen to treat us with everlasting loving kindness and to have compassion on us. Ephesians 1, 6 to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He has made us accepted in the Beloved. Accepted in the Beloved. I always like that picture of Queen Esther. Remember when she had not been to see the king for a long time, and, and so she had decided to go into the king's presence uninvited, which was penalized. I mean, there was a death penalty for that. But she decided, I've got to go on behalf of my people. And so she walked into the room where the king was holding court. Right there, he, he held her life in his hands. And what did he do? He extended, the, he extended the royal scepter to her, which meant, I have accepted your presence. And so she was invited in. And I always like that picture. It doesn't matter what I may feel about myself. I may feel like scum. I may feel unworthy. I may feel unspiritual, bad, whatever bad thing I might be feeling. But the Lord has extended the scepter. And when I come, even if I come, folks, we need to know this. Even when you come as a mess, you know, you don't got to get cleaned up first. You come as a mess. And let him extend the scepter, because the Bible says we have been accepted in the beloved. Isn't that great? I love that. Isaiah 49, verse 15 and 16. He says, I will not forget you. Behold, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. God has got your name tattooed on him. Now, some of y'all might have a tattoo from, you know, I love Betty or whatever, you know. You know how people did that. I don't know if they still put people's names on them or not like that. But God has tattooed your name on his hand. You know what? That makes sure he's not going to forget. Why do people put tattoos of people's name on them? They want everybody to know. I love Betty or whatever it is, you know. Betty's the one, whatever, it's all written there so everybody knows. You know, it's the same thing. Don't you know that God has tattooed your name and he can hold up to the angels. See, there's Brenda. See, there's Scott. I got your name tattooed on my hand. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He made him to, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God has made us righteous. Hallelujah. Father God made Jesus to be our sin offering as an exchange so that we might be righteous. Ephesians 1, 4 and 5. 
just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to the adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intentions of his will. You know, God's kind. It was his kind intention. He adopted us in love. He didn't adopt us because he had to, but he adopted us because he wanted to because he loved us. Hallelujah. I've been adopted because God loves me. Praise God. 1 John 3, 1. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we will be called children of God and such we are. God loves us so much, he says we can call him Father. He calls us his kids. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I mean, we can imagine. You know, you think about it. Before you and I became born again, he was Almighty God. He was just God. You couldn't call him Father. But now once we're in the family, he says, call me Dad. Call me Abba. Call me Father. And a lot of people, they want to talk about God, God, God. But, you know, anybody can call him God. You and I get to call him Father. Amen. Galatians 4, 7. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Hallelujah. Matthew 10, 30 to 31. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear, you are more valuable than, than many sparrows. God knows how many hairs you got on your head. That's a lot of attention to detail, don't you think? That's a lot of attention to detail. You know, there's a lot of interest by some people in taking care of the animals, you know. Well, the spotted owl or the whale or the this or the that, okay? And as valuable as those animals are, Jesus said each one of us was worth a whole lot more than many animals, than many sparrows. Hallelujah. Revelation 3, 5. He who overcomes will be thus clothed in white garments. I will not erase his name from the book of life. Aren't you glad God's not going to erase your name? Hallelujah. And the Lord Jesus says, I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. So Jesus stands before Father God and says, I know Cindy. I know Wren. I know Vicky. Isn't that great? He openly confesses this one belongs. This one belongs to our family. Jeremiah 1 5. He says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Jeremiah 29.11 For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. God's got good plans for us, you know. God's not trying to wreck your life. He's trying to heal your life. God's not trying to punish you and make your life miserable. He's trying to bring you into your inheritance, into your destiny. Hallelujah. He's got plans for your welfare. That doesn't mean you go on welfare. That's not what that means. It means plans for your well-being. 
just wanted to clear that up a little bit, you know. Plans for your well-being. Hallelujah. Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will exult over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. Can you imagine God cheering for you? Every time, just think about it, folks. Every time that you stand up and say, I'm going to trust God. He's cheering you on. Yay! I knew you could do it. Every time that you see that, that you choose to walk in the love of God, you choose to walk in forgiveness towards people who hurt and offend you, He's cheering you on. Yay! I knew you could do it. I'm here on your side. There goes my boy. There goes my boy. There goes my girl. Shouting, exulting with shouts of joy. Hallelujah. Revelation 21, 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You know, there are some people who have been too long in the valley of sorrows. Been crying, been weeping too long. But his promise is, I will make it all better. Isn't that what a parent tells a little kid? I will make it all better. Isn't that what you want to hear when you're hurting? I'm going to make it all better. That's, that's the Bible's way of saying that. When he says, I'm going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. And Psalm 27.10. Psalm 27.10. When my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Do you know that even if spirits of rejection saw to it that your parents rejected you, do you know that doesn't mean you're rejected because the Bible says God will take you up. God will take you up. I love that picture of God scooping a child up and embracing a child that's been rejected by mom and dad. Doesn't matter. He's going to come embrace us and take us up. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy 32.10 He kept him as the apple of his eye. You're the apple of God's eye. Now, we use an expression, apple of the eye, and we tend to picture, maybe, maybe you don't, but I did, picture, you know, a red apple, a beautiful red apple. I think, oh, the apple of my eye, something really pretty. But you know, that's really not the apple of your eye. The apple of your eye is your pupil. It's the part where the light comes in. Let me ask you this. If I was going to come over, I was going to come over to Vicki, and I was going to touch her eye with my finger I wouldn't get real close before what would happen she would blink for one thing and probably a hand would go up because she's going to protect the apple of her eye and there is a very quick response you and I know that when something comes at you I mean it's it's involuntary how quickly you blink because God's designed that you protect the apple of your eye. And guess what he says? He says, I will keep you as the apple of my eye. Isn't that a wonderful picture of how quick, how responsive the Lord is to take care and to defend us? He keeps us as the apple of his eye. Okay, how many know, like I said, God can't lie, right? This is what the Bible has said is truth about him and about how he feels about you and about me. I tell you what, I believe that if we would meditate in the love of God, if we meditate these scriptures, we would find ourselves so free and so happy and just secure, you know, that it would be life-changing. 
This is why we keep having y'all take these classes and do this stuff on the Father's love. Because this is what we, the Bible says we are to be rooted and grounded in love. And that's got to be it. It's not in right doctrine, but it's in right relationship. And so it's so important because I've known a lot of religious people that they know what the Bible says, but they don't have any sense of being rooted and grounded in love. They're rooted and grounded in tradition. Rooted and grounded in laws, in legalism, but not in love. And that's where it is that we've got to be rooted in, right? So that's why we push these things and make this a common theme. You know, I just, because I, I spent too many years as a legalist, folks. Too many years as a legalist. And I believe that we need to have excellence and high standards and we need to you know, believe the Word of God. But our obedience to the Word of God comes out of love, not out of just, you know, because He said so. You know, that's where, that's the highest form of obedience is out of love. So let's talk about, let's look at spirits of rejection. Rejection. It communicates that a person is unacceptable, has no value, doesn't belong, is unwanted, or doesn't fit in. It's a spirit that communicates, you don't belong here. You don't fit here. They don't want you. They don't like you. How is it communicated? It's communicated one way through words, because sometimes people tell you, we don't want you here. You're not welcome. Sometimes it's through a disgusted look. Somebody just looks at you and you know they don't like me, they don't want me here. Or it could be through disdain. Somebody treats you with such disrespect that even in the conversation, it's like your opinion is stupid. Your opinion doesn't count, or you don't know what you're talking about. Disdain. And unfortunately, many times, this happened to us as children, that we got on our parents' nerves for whatever reason, and we said something, and they were running short-fused, and they communicated disdain to us, and we felt that pain of rejection. Rejection also is communicated through an impatient answer. A snub. Rejection is also communicated through neglect. Sometimes it's just not out and out that I don't like you, I don't want you, but we ignore the other person. We neglect them. Sometimes, you know, this happens to a child. A child is like, Daddy, please play with me. Please, let's go play catch. But the dad ignores the child or says, you know, no, daddy's got work to do and doesn't consider that the child has a need to spend time with dad. Rejection also can come through abandonment. You know, sometimes um, we've, we've had, you know, mom, whatever she was going through, she walked out. She walked out in the family, whatever was happening, and you know what? That communicates something to the kids. You know, kids always think it's their fault when something goes wrong between mom and dad. Kids always blame themselves. You know, why do they do that? Because a spirit of rejection gets in there and tells them it was their fault. Well, if you had been a better kid, if you had been more obedient, if you had been, if you had been, and it communicates rejection to a child. I tell you what, the devil picks on kids. Rejection is also communicated through silence. Let's think about it. You got the wife and she's mad at the husband. So what does she do? 
He says, what's wrong? She says, nothing. Or she refuses to speak and gives him the cold shoulder or the silent treatment. Why is she doing that? To punish him, isn't she? She does it to punish. To communicate, I'm not happy with you. I don't want to talk to you. It's communicating rejection. You know, we've seen the same thing. Maybe you were a kid in school, and when you walked up to the playground, they all turned around, or they quit talking, you know. Or maybe when you went to the lunch table, everybody else got up and moved. You know, they didn't have to say anything, but just what they communicated to you was a rejection, even through silence. Now, because we know what God's Word says about His love for us, do you understand that we are breaking agreement with spirits of rejection. And so if a spirit of rejection is trying to hurt and wound and trying to get you and me to believe that we are rejected, if we agree with that, it is a sin to us. You understand? If you agree with rejection, it's a sin. Because who knows better about you and about me? Almighty God. God says we have been accepted in the beloved. I read that scripture a few moments ago. So even though a person may reject us, it doesn't mean that we are rejected. You know, Jesus, the Bible says, was rejected by all men, but he did not take on a spirit of rejection. Jesus was rejected by men, but still he was accepted by his father. He knew his relationship with Father God. And that was what got him through the rejection by men. When, on, when he was on the cross, the part of his greatest pain was when he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? Folks, other people can reject you and they will. They will and they have. But you and I need to draw our strength from Almighty Father. Because it doesn't matter if all those people reject us because we've got to know who we are in him. Think about the prophet Ezekiel. The Lord told him, I'm going to send you the house of Israel. And they are a rebellious bunch of people. They're not going to like you. They're not going to listen to you. They're going to say bad things about you. And nobody is going to want to have lunch with you. They're going to, be, they're going to reject you out and out. I mean, what a ministry call. God says, I'm going to tell you right now, you got an assignment to tell them the truth, but there's nobody going to like it. There's nobody going to listen to it. Folks, do you understand how hard that is? Because every last one of us has a need for love and acceptance. And to be told up front, I don't care how hard you try, they're not going to like it and they're not going to receive you. Folks, there are some people that are just flat not going to like you they're not going to receive you and you can be it cannot be you at all it can be a spirit of rejection working in them trying to get you into trouble when we have when we draw our life and our love from father god it's what's going to help us get through the pain of all those people out there rejecting us and will help you also get through past pain. Because there are some of us here who have been rejected by people in our families. Very close home. Because what happens in your family? Those people are supposed to love you, aren't they? But you know what? They don't always. For whatever reason, they don't. And a spirit of rejection wants to get in there and attach to you and say, 
you're wrong. You're the reason they don't love you because there's something wrong with you because you're not lovable because you're not worthy. A spirit of rejection will also set you up. So the next time you meet a new group of people, they won't like you. How many of you besides uh, ever went to more than one school when you were growing up? You ever been, you're all the, anybody ever been a new kid, right? You know, the new kid? What happens when you're, yeah, the new kid. When you're the new kid in school, you're looking for who's going to be my friend. Who can I sit next to? Who will talk to me so I don't look over here, you know, be by myself? Who can I sit with at lunch? Who will play with me on the playground, whatever? When you're the new kid, you're looking for something like that. And, you know, that's a very painful place to be as a child because a spirit of rejection will tell you nobody will like you and nobody wants to be your friend, you know. And maybe there are some kids, I mean, thank God for the child that always comes up and says, hi, you know, praise God for those kids, you know. It's like train your children to be that kid, <laughs> to say hi, you know. But, you know, sometimes it, we didn't have that. We got to be the new kid in the unusual, the awkward state, and spirits of rejection can come in during times like that, even in childhood. You know, you have to look at what's going on with you. If you were the new kid, if you still find yourself a little bit nervous about new groups of people, new church, you know, a party where you don't know everybody there, these, these are places where spirits of rejection come up. I've known people, they wouldn't go to a party because they didn't know people there. And they, they blow it off, well, I just don't like crowds. No, that's a spirit of rejection that's ministering to you. You know what? Because a person without a spirit of rejection will say, oh, new people, ooh, I bet they're interesting. I might learn something. I might find somebody to help me. I might be able to help somebody. And you have an openness towards new people. But if a spirit of rejection is going on, you're waiting for them to reject you so that you can prove that, well, you know, that I knew they'd be like that. I knew it's just those people. You know, they're all mean stuck up anyway, right? Ha. Rejection. If we accept it, if we agree with it, it's a sin because it puts man's, man's opinion as more important than God's. Whose opinion matters the most? Does it matter what Father God thinks about you or what that guy thinks about you? Now, and some of you women are really bad at this. You've got to get healed and delivered. You'll believe what a total stranger says or thinks about you instead of what God Almighty says. You know, well, she looked at me funny. Well, she gave me a dirty look. Hey, People out there have issues. It doesn't necessarily mean that we have to buy into all that stuff, right? I was at the Atlanta airport yesterday. Not yesterday, earlier this week. I was picking up my brother from the airport. And so I'd parked in the lot, and, and I went to go cash out, and my bill was $1 for my time. I handed him my ticket. Well, I didn't have a single, so I gave the gal a $5 bill. Well, she handed me back folded money, which made me suspicious. And I opened it. She gave me $3. And I said, you gave me 3 She immediately handed me four quarters. I thought, nice little scam you got going on here. Suppose I'd given her a 20 I mean, I just thought, I thought, please. She didn't give me back another single. She gave me four quarters. 
because that's what she had real handy, real fast. I was like, <laughs> you know, I could have taken it personally. Well, you know, she's a different race than I am, so she must have just figured, well, it's those, you know, white people, whatever. You know what? I didn't, I took none of the responsibility for that, none. I thought, she's a scammer, and I just caught her, that's all. You know, I'm not going to allow a spirit of rejection to come. I don't care what she thought about me asking for the rest of my money. I don't care. It's like it was my money. Give it to me, you know. Sometimes we get too worried about what other people think, other people have to say. Who cares if it disagrees with what God's Word says? Let's get our identity from there. Amen? All right. If we agree with rejection and we have put man's acceptance as more important than God's, that rejection will have us looking for love in all the wrong places. It will have us looking for our identity in all the wrong places. We've seen, we see why do people join gangs? Why do people get in serial bad marriages? Have you ever known somebody, a woman who always picks the wrong kind of man and she goes from one bad relationship to the next relationship to the next relationship? It's because of spirits of rejection. We watch what happens in school. You have children get into cliques. What happens in churches? They get into cliques. I was in a praise and worship team one time years ago that had a clique going on. And it was like, if you weren't part of this team, you know, it's like, that's ungodly. We want to be open to other people to come and go. You know, nothing should be so sewn up like that. But rejection is what causes cliques to form, just us and nobody else. Because they have all these people have been rejected, so they're looking to each other for that identity, looking to each other for that acceptance. And you know, and you see the same thing happens. I'm going to pick on people in parties, and we'll see who gets invited to whatever parties after this. <laughs> but, but, you know, think about it. When you go to a room full of people, party, and you don't know most of those people, who do you usually go up to? Somebody you know. Oh, Mike's here. And spend all time talking to Mike. You know, this past week, this is great. Because this past week, the only person I knew there was my brother. You know, that was the only person I knew in that whole thing. So, of course, you know, we're sitting together and stuff. And at one point, um, he told me, I need to go talk to so-and-so. I said, you know what? You do not need to babysit me. I said, you go talk to whoever you need to, whatever. And I'm striking up conversations left and right. Oh, that's because you're extroverted. No, it's not. It's because I'm getting delivered of every spirit of rejection. And when I go up and talk to a total stranger, I just figure they're going to like me. Well, sure. And I might, and I actually, and I wound up meeting a wonderful Christian couple from North Carolina that I really think is a divine connection. Great couple. We had some wonderful conversations. And I met a couple of other people, you know, here and there. But you just wind up, okay, I can be secure that I don't have to have my brother sit over here and hold my hand. But I can actually act like an adult in an adult situation and go talk to people. Y'all remember what Jen taught several weeks ago about talking to people, right? This is just the other end. She gave us a good skill for talking to people. But I'm also looking from the end of, let's discern where spirits of rejection have gotten in. Now let me tell you, I'm, I'm, I want to break this off of you. So it's okay if I hit it hard, right? Say, yes, it's okay. Okay, because we want to be free, right? We want to be free of all this mess. Okay, so that's good. 
So, if you are the wallflower, if you are the, the person who doesn't go to events where you don't know everybody, if you are the person who just sits and talks to the only the people that you know, then you've got a spirit of rejection ministering to you that needs to go. It needs to be ejected. It needs to go. You know, and let's not get into denial. I don't have a problem. I just don't like all those people. <laughs> I don't have a problem. I just don't like crowds. I don't have a problem. I just whatever. Look, you can say you don't have a problem all day long. It doesn't mean you don't have one. Now, everybody doesn't have to be, you know, the bell of the ball, the butterfly. I mean, everybody doesn't have to be super out there. But I'm talking about a place of freedom. Not to where a place of, you know, I don't know what to do with myself. You know, that's why they serve drinks at parties. So you got something to hold on to. It's true. Because if you don't have something to hold on to, what happens? You get nervous. And plus, they put alcohol in there so it relaxes you. <laughs> but they give you something to hold on to. So you can walk around. You know, you don't ever have to drink it, but boy, you, you got your crutch here. You got your equipment holding it on. <sighs> I mean, why not set yourself a little personal growth goal and strike up a conversation with whoever's in front of the line at Walmart? You know? Or strike up a conversation next time you go into, you know, a church situation. You don't know somebody really well? Well, introduce yourself. Show them how wonderful you are. Because you are. Y'all are great folks. You know, let's show each other. You're wonderful. Just make those spirits of rejection crazy. The nature of rejection... And it is a spirit, understand. It is a spirit. It also picks fights. It picks fights until you push back and reject it. You know, I saw, you know, a t-shirt one day. It says, I didn't, I didn't wake up grouchy. I let him sleep in. <laughs> you ever wake up someday and just in one of those moods? And pick a fight. Be deliberately difficult. So that the other person is pushed, can't take it anymore, walks off from you, and then you're like, I knew they'd do that. I knew they'd do that. These are spirits of rejection that set you up. Many years ago, I was dealing with a guy. He was in his early 20s and was a spoiled brat. He was being such a stinker. And I really liked the guy, but he was just being a jerk. And I caught real quick what was going on. He had been severely rejected as a child. And he had, he was not used to unconditional love. And what the guy was doing was trying to get me to reject him. If he was a big enough stinker, if he was just snotty long enough, then maybe I would just wash my hands and say, okay, I'm done with you. But I knew, the Spirit of God told me, that's what he's doing. He's trying to get you to reject him. So I just loved him. And he was being such a jerk, and he would you know, not keep his word, break his promises, say ugly things, blah, blah, blah. And I just thought, I give him a hug. I love you. And I just love him. And after a while, 
he decided that I loved him. And he quit being a jerk, you know. But that spirit of rejection in him was pushing so hard, saying, you are going to reject me, aren't you? You are, aren't you? You will. If I do it hard enough, you will, won't you, won't you? And kept pushing, pushing. I mean, that's what was going on. You know, I just wouldn't play ball with the guy. I'm here to tell you that same thing is happening to some of you. You're with somebody who's being difficult because they feel so bad about themselves because that spirit of rejection has so consumed them. They're trying to just confirm, you know, it's trying to confirm that everybody rejects them. Be the one that breaks the mold. And something, yeah, you're being a stinker. And I told the guy, you're being a stinker, but I love you. I'm not going to reject you, but you are being a stinker. (laughs) Hallelujah. Spirit of rejection will cause people to be overly sensitive. They pick apart the words, the intentions, actions. You say, hey, how you doing? What do you mean by that? <laughs> you know, you say, hey, how are things going? Why do you ask? You know, it's overly sensitive because what's happening? A spirit of rejection is looking for something wrong to be rejected. You know, people, some of them are just looking for being rejected. You're not rejecting anybody. You're just busy. You know, but remember, rejection can be communicated through neglect and through silence. So sometimes we need to go that extra mile and reaffirm to somebody, I've not rejected you. I'm not shutting you out. Because that spirit can be in there ministering to them. The spirit of rejection can misinterpret and scramble what was said. Think that and a person would be convinced you said something that you did not say. The spirit of rejection will reject others before they can reject you. So it will make you reject them first. It will remind you of the sins of your past. And it will not allow comfort. It will not allow you to feel good about yourself. You know, you can, a spirit of rejection can be ministering so strong that somebody can come up to you with the truth of God's word and in the love of God tell you the truth that you are loved with an everlasting love and it's okay and you're forgiven, but that spirit of rejection will not yet let you believe it. It will not let you receive it. And they'll argue with you back and forth. Go, no, 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 and argue and not receive the love of God. How do spirits of rejection get in? They can come in a number of ways. Uh, they Many times they get access while children are in the womb. Sometimes rejections come in because the pregnancy was unwanted or because the, the child is illegitimate or because the child is the so-called wrong gender. You know, mom and dad really, really wanted a boy little girl was born. That little girl picked up, I'm not what they wanted. You know, and sometimes this happens because of, of um, you know, people they, nowadays, they're going in, they're finding out so much time in advance what the gender of their child is, but you know, they're not 100% right. Sometimes they're wrong. And if you have been counting on one gender for months and months and months, and then you have the other gender is born, That can be a painful thing to the child. I'm not what you wanted. I'm not what you expected. These things are picked up in the spirit before a child understands. 
Um, rejections can come in blended families, which we have such an issue these days where you've got, you know, uh, people divorced, had children, and remarried, you know, Brady Bunch. So you've got his, hers, and ours. And in those places, many times the children are unsecure. They're insecure and unsure about where they fit in this family structure. So a spirit of rejection can come in. Uh, also, from premature babies. Because what happens? A premature baby is put into an incubator. They're not allowed to be held. And so what happens is spirit of rejection communicates to that baby, nobody's going to hold you and take care of you because you're not wanted because you're not loved. That child may be deeply loved, but a spirit can get in there just because the child wasn't held. Um, the middle child sometimes becomes rejected because the firstborn had all of the, you know, the firstborn kid, you've got 19 picture albums of the firstborn kid. And the first, there's the first tooth, the first walk, the first everything. And then here comes the middle child and before the middle child gets too far along, here comes the baby. And so what happens many times is the first child gets lots of attention, the baby gets lots of attention, and the middle child is kind of stuck in the middle and can kind of feel like, well, I'm, I'm not the first, and, and I'm not the baby, and I'm kind of in the middle. Now, many middle children are healthy and happy, and it's, it's fine, but I'm telling you, a spirit of rejection can target a middle child. And make them feel not as valuable, not as worthy, not as accepted as the oldest child and the baby child. So if this was you, if you picked up on some of that, we're going to get you delivered tonight. Hallelujah. If that was you, we're gonna, I'm telling you it's a lie. Because remember, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That you were chosen by Almighty God to be born. Another way that a spirit of rejection can get in can be after a parent dies. If a parent dies, a child can feel like, you know, it's my fault. You know, dad died because dad left and went to heaven and left me here. Or during a divorce, a child can feel like it's because of my fault. A spirit rejection can come in and blame a child for divorce. In some families, you've got, um, you've got some unhealthy things to where there's competition. For example, competition between mother and daughter for the father's attention. And when that happens, there can be a spirit of rejection can move in to the mother and the daughter, both of them trying to have the love of the man in the family or vice versa. Growing up without a father can cause uh, rejection to come in. And in, that also includes emotionally absent fathers. If the father was in the home but never engaged with the child, you know, came home from work, flipped on the computer, and that was it till bedtime. You know, came home from work, never spent time with the kid. It can communicate an absentee and a rejection to a child. In a performance-oriented home, to where you're loved if you do good. You're loved if you get straight A's. You're loved if you clean your room. You're loved if you don't get in trouble or this whatever. You know, I remember hearing a story years ago about a woman who's, who... Um, her her parents were, um, she grew up during a time of war. And so her father had gone off, was shipped off overseas. And so she was actually born while her father was away. And so since her mother had lived at home with her parents and had no cares or anything, 
she just took care of the little girl all the time. And so she was very much a doting mother and dressed her up in all the little frilly things and everything. And so she used to take her little girl and dress her up and have her perform for people. She would sing and she would dance or she would recite or, or whatever. And all she got so much love and affirmation from the crowds because wasn't she cute and adorable. Well, what happened was she told the story was this was she got so much love and affection in that way that then one day her dad came home from the war. And when he came home from the war, all of a sudden, you know, he hadn't even met his little girl yet. And so he meets her. Hello, you're fine. But he wanted his wife. He'd not seen his wife in a few years. And so all of his attention went towards his wife. And she tells it was so sad. She says she began to, when she realized that she knew this was daddy because mommy had showed pictures and daddy's coming, daddy's coming. Well, when daddy came, he was with mom. And so she said, so she did what she had been trained to do. And she began to perform. She began to sing and to dance, trying to get her father's attention because that's how she knew to get love. And I thought, what a sad story. But doesn't it make perfect sense to you how a child would do that? And a spirit of rejection moved in and said, the only way you're going to get love is if you perform. And so she, spent, she told a story about he, she spent all the rest of her growing up years and her most for adult life of trying to overachieve so that she would be loved, so that she could get the pats on the back and the applause. You see, that's a, that's a horrible way to have to live. But waiting for the next attaboy, waiting for the next good grade, waiting for the next reason why somebody should love you. Folks, you're loved because God chooses to love you. I love you whether you're good or a stinker. You know, God loves you whether you're good or a stinker. And I want us to be secure in God's love that we don't have to perform to be accepted. Hallelujah. Also, sometimes a spirit's rejection can come in from school, if you were the last kid picked for the basketball team or the last one picked for the science project or rejection by classmates or maybe the teacher didn't like you, uh, you know, whatever reason, the teacher, the coach would pick on you. Or what about rejection from that first broken heart, first time having a crush? Somebody loved you and they didn't, you, you know, I mean, you loved them and they didn't love you back. You know, that broken heart can cause a spirit of rejection to come in. The fruit of rejection. The fruit of rejection shows up in anger and bitterness. We fight back. They reject us. We fight back. The story of Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. um, um, Cain was angry because his offering was rejected. He hated his brother, so he wanted to fight back and he killed him. Fruit of rejection can also show up as cancer in your body. Another fruit of rejection is fear. When we are rejected, we don't feel safe. We don't know if those people out there will treat us the way that God does. And so then our hearts can get broken and we can decide, I'm not going to let that happen again. Nobody's going to break my heart again. And so we can erect walls and defense mechanisms. We can also find ourselves looking for approval. How many times have we seen children, many times, you know, they, all the kids at school are wearing this particular type of jean or shirt or whatever. And so to fit in, a child will go and adapt and have to, you know, to, 
to buy those clothes and to try to fit in, trying to find approval. Fear can cause a fear of failure. I'm afraid that no matter what I do, these people won't like me. And then fear can show up in allergies and in asthma. The fruit of rejection can also be unloving spirits, can come in with self-rejection to where we tell ourselves, I must be unworthy. Self-rejection that shows up is going to cause withdrawal, self-pity, sorrow, and low self-esteem. When this type of root of rejection is operate within us, it's autoimmune diseases. And autoimmune disease is one in which your body is fighting itself. And the root there is self-rejection. The fruit of rejection also shows up in addictions. Addictions are anything to numb the pain. Whether it's drugs, food, computer, shopping, whatever. Anything to numb the pain so you don't have to think about it. The fruit of rejection is also pride. Self-idolatry. They reject me, I will prove to them that I'm smarter than they are, richer than they are, better than they are. I'm, I will prove to them. So what happens when you get in with a feeling of, i got to prove to them? You're going to wind up with drivenness, with performance, workaholism, chronic fatigue, burnout. Because I'm going to make you love me. I'm going to prove to you. You know, and we can be inspired to, you know, you know, pull ourselves up. But I'm talking, you know, when rejection gets in there and this becomes a driving force to where it goes beyond just, just you know, good, healthy, wanting to make a difference with your life and gets into a place of performance and drivenness. The spirit of rejection can cause a desperate search for love and identity. We see this sometimes when people, they mimic themselves after a, another person to the point where they lose their own identity. I've seen this happen a couple of times over my life. Teenage girls, a teenage girl decides that she really, really respects and admires a woman that she knows, somebody in the church or in the school. And so what she does is immediately begin to dress like her, wear her makeup like her, wear her hair like her, talk like her, likes the same interests she does. And it's, it's really from that rejection thinking, well, she's so wonderful. If I'm like her, people will think I'm wonderful too. It's really sad. I remember that when I was a kid. We had a girl. There's a girl, and she was uh, a young teenager. I was younger than that. And she absolutely idolized my mother. Well, my mother is a very brilliant, smart, talented woman. And she was visible in leadership. She would, you know, play the piano and lead the choir and all that kind of stuff. And so this young girl, I remember this young girl would come over and would fixate on my mother and try to get invitations to our house and want to be with her all the time and this stuff. And I always thought it was really strange. I remember one time my mother having to be really firm with her. They know she couldn't go home with us and know she, you know, whatever. And I always thought it was really strange. But I understand now there was a spirit of rejection that was driving her to where she didn't, she was not comfortable in her own skin. She was not comfortable being herself. She had to be somebody else. That's sad, isn't it? All right. Um, this can also cause bad relationships, abuse, possessiveness, smothering relationships, and emotional dependency. And finally, the fruit of rejection can be rebellion. 
which can show up as to an, to an extreme as paranoid schizophrenia. Other manifestations, possible manifestations of rejection are diabetes, Hodgkin's disease, leukemia, autism, Parkinson's, shingles, ganglion cysts, and workaholism, all from the roots of rejection. Folks, how about we get rid of some rejection tonight? Let's overcome it. Remember what we've got to do is we've got to recognize it first. Recognize it. Is there self-accusation? Is there self-rejection? Is there real rejection from other people or is it even imagined rejection? Is there false responsibility? Taking on too much so people will approve and will like you. What about false burden bearing or martyrs? You know, you don't know how hard I work and slave and everything for you. You know, the martyrdom. Because what's the, what's the martyr looking for? Acceptance. Approval, right? The um, excessive need for love. A lot of people's trouble with lust is looking for acceptance. It's looking for that place of feeling good about yourself. Insecurity. Also, complaining, muttering, self-pity, these nasty things are all parts of rejection. Now, remember how we're going to get free is true repentance and forgiveness. When we fall out of agreement with these things, we're no longer going to agree with the spirit of rejection. If we hate it and take responsibility for it, its power can be broken. And that's why I wanted to give you all these verses about the Father's love first. Because that is the truth of what God has said about you and about me. So as we're going to reject rejection, but we're going to receive what God says about us. Hallelujah. And we're going to start loving ourselves. Do you know that you're absolutely lovable? Yes, you are. You're going to start loving yourself and loving other people. Hallelujah. If you would, go ahead and close your books and notebooks. And we're going to, we're going to pray. And we're going to get rid of these things. Amen. I mean, I think... I'm here to tell you, everybody has been rejected. We all have, but not by God. And that's where our healing and our, our life comes from. So let's acknowledge, spirits of rejection have been in your family, right? They've been in your life, right? You don't have to look real hard, do you? They've been there, okay? We're going to get tough with these things. They might have run havoc in our family line before, but we're not going to be so easy anymore. We're not going to be so easy to believe what those spirits are saying. Even if people don't treat you right all the time. You understand? We're not going to take on a spirit of rejection. Even if people around us are not accepting us. Alright? Okay, would you pray with me please? Father God. I take responsibility. In my generations. On both sides of my family. For spirits of rejection. And I renounce it. I repent for believing lies. And I tear down negative words. I cancel the assignments. Of every evil spirit. That was loosed because of them. I renounce. Self-bitterness. Self-unforgiveness. Self-resentment. Self-retaliation. Self-anger. 
self-hatred, self-hatred. Doubt, and unbelief. doubt and unbelief, lack of trust in others, lack of trust in others. Myself, myself, and God, and God. Abandonment. abandonment, accusation by others, accusation by others. self-accusation, self-accusation. Rejection, by rejection by others, both real and imagined, Self-rejection. Self-rejection. Rejection of others. Rejection of others. Fear, of God. Fear of God. Fear of man. Fear of, man. Fear of, failure. Fear of failure. Fear of vulnerability. Fear of rejection. Fear of deliverance. False burden bearing. Martyrdom. False responsibility. Excessive need for love. Excessive need for approval. Excessive need for acceptance. Excessive need for identity. Double mindedness. Lust. Fantasy lust. Insecurity. Depression. Oppression. Heaviness, heaviness, rebellion, rebellion control, control, manipulation, manipulation unthankfulness, unthankfulness, ingratitude, ingratitude discontent, discontent, muttering and complaining, muttering and complaining deep, hurt, deep hurt, wounding of the spirit, of the spirit and, self-pity. and self-pity. I ask for forgiveness. And that the curse be broken. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. All right. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I set aside the strong man of rejection. I take authority and I cast out self-bitterness, self-unforgiveness, and self-resentment, self-retaliation, self-anger, and self-hatred. I cast out doubt and unbelief, lack of trust in others, myself, and God. I cast out abandonment. I cast out accusation by others. I cast out self-accusation. I cast out rejection by others, both real and imagined. I cast out self-rejection. I cast out rejection of others. I cast out fear of God. I cast out fear of man, fear of failure, fear of vulnerability, and I cast out fear of rejection. I cast out fear of deliverance. I cast out false burden-bearing and martyrdom. I cast out false responsibility. I cast out excessive need for love, excessive need for approval, excessive need for acceptance, and excessive need for identity. I cast out double-mindedness. I cast out lust and fantasy lust. I cast out insecurity. I cast out depression, oppression, and heaviness. I cast out rebellion, control and manipulation. I cast out unthankfulness, ingratitude, discontent, murdering and complaining. I cast out deep hurt and wounding of the spirit and I cast out self-pity in Jesus name. And now I speak to the strong man of rejection. I tell you your power is broken. Your assignment is broken. Your house is desolate. Your armor has been shattered and I command you to loose this hold, your hold upon this people. I command all spirits of rejection 
nation to go from us now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We reject you. We don't receive your words. We don't receive your lies. I command you to loose your hold and to go from us now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Hallelujah. All right, everyone, will you just lift up your hands, please? We're going to pray. Father God, I ask, Lord God, for an infilling of your love. Every place, Lord God, where there's been pain, where there's been wounding, I pray, Father God, that you'd flood us with your love. Lord, let us receive and know and believe the love that you have for us, that we have been made accepted in the Beloved in Jesus' name. And right now I speak healing and I speak creative miracles. Father, I ask, Lord God, that you do healing miracles, Lord, every place, Lord God, where we have carried that rejection into our souls, into our physical bodies. Right now, God, we ask you to reverse it. We ask for creative miracles and healing in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Father God, flood us every place. Lord, let us rest in your love. Lord, let us be filled and flooded with your love in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. That truly, Lord God, we are accepted by the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We bless you and we thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Rejection has no place in us. Rejection has no place in us in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We bless you and we worship you, Father God. Lord God, we're receiving your word. We're receiving your truth about who we are. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Destiny Spirit Church or additional teaching CDs or training events, please visit our website at www.destinyspirit.com or you can write to us at Destiny Spirit Church, P.O. Box 15252, Chesapeake, Virginia 23328. Thank you.